You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is called What You Can Control. Pertinent, eh? (laughs) I don't know about you, but sitting at home in isolation has brought up a bunch of things for me. And I think you're probably faced with this too. There's the overwhelm of all of the unfinished and unattended projects and chores and tasks in the house and all the stuff in our lives that we've accumulated, all of the things that need attending to in addition to the onslaught of the media and the negative headlines and the constant conversation around that one topic that I don't even want to mention right now, (laughs) that pandemic. Normally we have the ability to put it aside, to escape and to get on with the doing work of life, to be focused and to get things done and that's difficult right now. We're constantly interrupted. We don't have our normal flow and we have all this unfinished business staring us in the face. (laughs) It's pretty extreme facing the internal clutter in our minds as well, the tragedy, the risks, the loss, the grief and uncertainty as well as that external clutter and few people have really prepared themselves for these times it's more than just stocking your pantry and buying buying toilet paper it's about feeling that you're in control that you're able to take charge a lot of people don't feel that way and it makes sense I mean after all at the moment we're all just winging it we're pivoting we're adapting we're trying to cope maybe trying to take steps towards our goals in new ways. And some of us have had to throw our goals out of the window. You might have listened to my earlier podcast on doing business in difficult times. And if you're running a business and you're feeling overwhelmed, maybe you want to listen to that episode. In any case, Today, I want to talk to you about feeling calmer and less overwhelmed by taking control of the things that we can control. So let's start with the question, what really is in our control? If you think about it, most circumstances are outside of our control. And what I mean by circumstances is the people around us, the things that happen around us, we can't control any of those things. And the funny thing is that normally we're okay with that. Six months ago, you had no idea this pandemic was coming, did you? (laughs) It's just one of hundreds of things that you could never have predicted. And normally we feel pretty okay about that. We live our lives and we have this level of certainty of things that we can control. And so we don't worry too much about all of the things that are always outside our control. Now it's a little different because a whole bunch of things have happened at once and a lot of things have been thrown on their heads. So what is in our control? Well, what we think about things and how we act and react to the circumstances around us. We're the boss of that. That feels good. (laughs) We can create certainty and a sense of control by making decisions about what we do and what we don't want and what we will and won't do, what we will and won't think. So right now is an opportunity. It's the perfect time to stop thinking about what we can't do and get out of that useless cul-de-sac and to get really clear on what we can do so we can take back control of our thoughts and our actions. It's time to stop the spread of fear, anxiety and worry of all of the things that we can't control. 
to forget about that stuff and instead of just coping to start bouncing back and thriving managing the challenges and feeling strong would you like to do that I would (laughs) and I am and it's all in your mindset let's stop letting our thoughts run wild and unfettered and let's talk about the skills we can develop to help us manage our minds and to actively cultivate healthier thoughts I want to talk to you today about four skills in particular, and I recommend working through them in this order. On a daily basis, if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed, I want you to start with skill number one and then move through them. They're really important. They're things that you are probably doing to some degree already, but the order of them is really essential, and I'm going to explain why at the end. The first skill I want to talk to you about today is compassion. We can develop compassion for ourselves and others, and I did a whole other podcast on self-compassion earlier that you may like to listen to. Compassion is a practice, like an ongoing practice, as well as a response to the circumstances around us. But it starts with self-talk. It starts with the way we talk to ourselves. And there are three parts to compassion. Firstly, there's being kind to ourselves and others instead of judging. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a whole bunch of judgment out there about what people should and shouldn't do, what governments should and shouldn't do, and all this other stuff. Not just about passing an opinion, but it's getting a bit narky. So let's pull away from that and start to be kind to ourselves and others. That's the first part of compassion. The second part is recognizing the common humanity, that is, We're all suffering together with this. We're all responding in some way or another, and it's going to pass. Just remembering that is really powerful. Oh, I'm not alone in this. Other people are going through this too. It reconnects us to our sense of humanity in our community and calms us down. And the third part of compassion is being mindful of what we can do in this moment. For right right now, what you can do is control your thoughts, for example. All of these steps help you to feel calm, and I'm feeling calm just talking about it. If you practice compassion regularly and when you're faced with a difficult circumstance in the moment, it can really help you to feel calm. And we can only focus, think straight, and make decisions when we're calm. So compassion is that first step in dialing down the intensity of things. The second skill I want to talk to you about is factualizing. This is a model I've developed. It's about putting an end to catastrophizing. And I speak as an expert in catastrophizing. I've had many years of experience I know exactly how to do it and to totally predict the worst case scenario and then spend a lot of time worrying about it. Totally unhelpful, but my brain got into that habit a long time ago and I've had to work hard to decondition that habit. Catastrophizing is a sense of heightened emotion that we create in our brains. It's not real necessarily. It's what we think about. It's exaggerating and it's expecting or predicting the worst outcome and then worrying about it. That's what catastrophizing is. And so the model I've developed, which I call the factualizer, helps us to step back from that heightened emotional state and to get out of our feeling brain 
to calm that down and to step into a more neutral and logical state by engaging our thinking brain. Thinking brains are the killjoys of emotion and they're very helpful right now. (laughs) The first step to the model, and there are three steps, is to write down your negative catastrophizing style thoughts. Secondly, to trim that down into just a statement of non-emotive fact. And thirdly, to reframe it, ending in a positive. One thing I'll say is that some people are resistant to writing things down, but the problem with problems that are in your head is that you don't get to hear them or see them and you can't effectively problem solve them. So if you've got all this catastrophe whooshing around in your head right now, the only way you're effectively going to resolve it is to speak out loud about it or to write it down. So in a moment when I give you an example of how the factualizer works, I want you to think about how you would do this yourself. Would you write it down or second best, nearly as good, would you verbalize it to yourself or to someone else? That's where coaching comes in and working with a coach can be really effective to talk through things and to dial down that intensity. But if you're on your own, writing is a better option. I want to give you an example of catastrophizing and then factualizing using something pretty bland, which is not going to the gym, just so that it's really easy and straightforward. Let's say that your negative thought, your catastrophizing thought is, I'm so irritated with myself because I didn't do my exercise session today. I was too cold and tired. The kids were nagging at me. Now I feel terrible. I feel guilty. I always fail. I always give up. It's just something I usually do and now I've just done it again. I'm probably just going to have to give up. I will never get back to the gym. That's the worst case scenario, right? If you pull that back to a statement of just the facts, it is this. I didn't do my exercise session today. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Even just saying that simple statement, you can hear there's no drama in it. You've taken out the drama and the emotion and the catastrophizing. It's just a fact now. I didn't do my exercise session today. But still, it is a statement of what didn't happen. It's a negative and that's where the third part comes in, which is the reframe. We want, our tr- want to train our brains to look for the positive and to look for the opportunities rather than getting bogged down in these sorts of things that don't really serve us. So in this case, the reframe would be, even though I didn't do my exercise session today, I feel determined to do it tomorrow. You notice that the statement starts with an even though. So we do an even though put the factual statement in there, and then come up with a positive ending. An alternative reframe could have been something like, even though I didn't do my exercise session today, I did my exercise session three days ago. That's a positive. It's something in the past and there's no commitment to the future, but it's another version of recognising a win, creating a positive. So that's how to use the factualizer. Write down or brain dump all of that catastrophe that's going on in your head, turn it into a factual statement, and then reframe it, ending in a positive. That's skill number two, factualizing. I think it's a really important one because some people are spending a lot of time catastrophizing and it's unhelpful. (laughs) And that leads me to skill number three, 
assuming that you've done number one, self-compassion and compassion, and possibly number two, number three is finding strength. You can do this proactively. And it's important to do because when you find strength, it helps you to feel grounded. It helps you to gain a sense that you have capacity to cope. Feeling strong is full of hope and optimism and power. It's the sense that you can rather than can't. And there are different ways that you can find strength, and I'm going to list a whole bunch right now. The process to finding strength for you could include simply reflecting on past challenges that you've had and to think about how you overcame them. What sorts of strengths and skills did you use to overcome those past challenges? Maybe you can find strength by identifying all of the people and networks around you who can support you or help you or talk to you right now and who've been there for you in the past. Maybe you'll reach out to them too, but simply knowing that you have this list of people around you who love and support you can give you a sense of strength in and of itself. Strength also comes from actively cultivating positive thoughts. Instead of just letting your mind wander around in the negative and the catastrophe and the doom, why do that when you can actively cultivate positive thoughts? And this could include practicing gratitude each day or celebrating your successes or wins from the day or thinking about a wonderful conversation you had with someone or it could be reaching out to someone and thanking them for something they've done for you under text, in a private message or by phone. And it could include creating an oasis for yourself at home. This is something I've done and it's so wonderful. I've created a quiet place to rest, relax and reflect and read. I've got a comfy chair with some cushions and a rug and I go up there and I cuddle in and I think and I read and that helps me to cultivate positive thoughts and feel positive feelings. Strength can also come from looking at the upsides of things and shifting your attention to what's been learned or discovered despite the challenges. So, yeah, maybe you had a tough day today. Maybe the kids were going mental. Maybe you couldn't get your work done. What did you learn? What was the good part of today? Consciously shifting your attention to what's been learned or the upsides is a way that you can find strength. And beyond that, strength can be more easily maintained when you're consistent with your own self-care. If you think about it, we gain a lot of physical and emotional strength and resilience by simply going to bed early, by waking up at a consistent time, by eating nutritious food, by doing regular exercise, by breathing deeply, by meditating, by thought modelling, journaling, factualising, and practicing self-regulation. I'm not saying you need to do all of those things every day, but they are the foundation of your physical and emotional strength and resilience. So scattering those things through your week is so important for you to build and maintain the strength that you have already. The fourth skill that's really important at this time to help you take control, feel like you're in charge, 
is to make some decisions about how you're going to think and act in the next period ahead. Think about how you feel when you have no plan and when you haven't made any decisions. Someone described it to me the other day as floating around in a sea of chaos, (laughs) feeling helpless. And I totally get it. You've got no structure, no plan. You're unclear of what's ahead. You're not taking action. You're not being proactive. It feels like you're unable to achieve anything. Not a nice place to be, but when you decide what you will and won't do, when you decide how you're going to do things tomorrow or for the next few days or for the next week, when you decide what you're going to experiment with to make life easier and which tools and support and resources you'll use to give your plans a good chance of success, then it feels like you're taking charge again. You might not know what's going to happen with the kids' school or with your work tomorrow or the next day, but you can at least plan one day and give it a good crack. Now, here's the kicker. A lot of people think that decision-making is where they should be starting right now in the process of taking change. But it's totally not. In uncertain pandemic times, there's so much going on and so much overwhelm that Everyone has decision fatigue. It's a real thing. And it means that you don't have the capacity to make smart, rational decisions. That's why I started with the three skills of compassion and factualizing and finding strength first. Because if you're not in a good place right now, you won't be able to make good decisions. You need to go through those three other things to create the foundation for good, rational decision making and planning. And As we come to the end of this podcast, you might have noticed that there are actually a lot of things in your control right now, probably more than you imagined. What you eat, how you move, when you go to bed, and a whole bunch of other things are totally in your control. If you follow this four-step process and work on these four skills, it's going to help you to take charge of things that are in your control, and you will feel calmer and more confident and more resilient in the face of uncertainty and chaos. That's how I'm feeling. I've been using this process myself and I'm getting through things remarkably well, despite the fact that my workload has nearly doubled in some areas. In summary, I could say that in any case, even the most calm and balanced people might be struggling in uncertain and stressful times. My four-step process and the four skills in that process that I mentioned today are going to help you to take control. And just to recap, they are practicing compassion and self-compassion and to start factualizing instead of catastrophizing. That's going to dial down the intensity of your emotions and help you to feel calm. The third was to find strength in the past or your networks and appropriate self-care. So building that strength and resilience and capacity so that you can stay calm. And then finally, to make decisions for the next period of time, whatever that be, a day or a week, so that you can regain your sense of control. You know what you're aiming for and you have built some structure around you. If you do this every day or at least once a week, It's going to help you to take charge. And I will say to finish that in the longer term, 
Consistent self-care is the foundation of mental well-being and it's therefore an essential precursor for building resilience, for effective decision-making and for remaining calm in the face of adversity, including pandemics. <laughs> now, if you're struggling right now and you're not sure about your capacity to build these skills and go through this process and you would like to find out about working with a coach, be that me or somebody else, visit melaniejwhite.com forward slash contact and drop me a line. I can put you in touch with someone or we can have a conversation about getting you some support to get through the next little while, maybe using the four skills that we've talked about today. I hope you stay well and safe. I hope you find a bright spot in every day. And most of all, I hope you feel calm and peaceful. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for being with me today and bye for now.